turn your Bibles to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, and uh, Peter's, 1 Peter is all about suffering, and all about uh, grace, and all about hope, and uh, that's kind of the, the main theme uh, throughout the book of 1 Peter, uh, which we'll be seeing. So these Christians are suffering by the hand of Satan himself, they're suffering by um, well, Nero, you know, uh, just physically and, and, uh, the, just a lot of was going on at the time where literally they had to live out their faith and they were faced with the, the decision of life and death and, and what are they going to choose? And, and so Peter encourages them, hey, st- stand strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and reminding them, uh, and us, that our hope is in Christ Jesus, right? And is soon returning. And I don't know about you guys, but I watch the news and all the things that are happening with the weather, the, everything, right? Um, with the, the nations and, you know, wars and rumors of wars. And, and uh, all I see is Jesus is coming back soon. Amen? And it, I'm encouraged. Um, so let's just read First uh, Peter chapter 1. Uh, let's go to verse 3 all the way to verse 12, and then we'll look back at it. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, that they were ministering uh, the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. So P- Peter's dealing with the topic of salvation, obviously, in these verses, and as it pertains to the grace of God. And, and we're going to look at three things as it pertains to this salvation that we have. If you guys found the notes out there, if not... I don't have notes for you up here. So uh, the three things up front, I'll just tell you. Number one, we're going to see the truths about salvation in verses 3 to 5. Number two, uh, rejoicing in salvation. And that's going to be in verses 6 through 9. And then number three, we're going to see uh, the messengers of salvation. And that's going to be in verses 10, 11, and 12. 
Um, so let's go to the first section and, and let's see uh, the, the truths about salvation. In verses 3 to 5, um, there's six truths uh, that we will learn about tonight uh, about salvation. Number one, it involves praise. It involves praise. Notice in verse 3, this is a little subtle here, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and notice um, praise. It says begotten us, right? Simply means to be born again. We would say, uh, you know, begotten or, or born again. I, I think that's a good one. So notice the word blessed be, though. The word be is in italics. Interesting, because it's not there in the original text. And and uh, so, blessed, right? It, it could be translated to mean praise. And so it could be better translated, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. And it goes on. Um, so because we're begotten again or born again, our natural response uh, to be uh, should be to praise the God and Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ. You guys catch that? Awesome. So Peter's simply encouraging us not to forget about our salvation. Don't take it lightly. Don't forget about it, because if you do, then you're not going to be praising the Lord for it, right? So as a result of salvation that we have through Christ, we should be praising the Lord because of our salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. Number two, it involves mercy. It involves mercy. Notice back in verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, he could have just said because of his mercy, but his abundant mercy uh, has begotten us again. And, and we are begotten again through the mercy of God. And now, okay, justice obviously is getting what we do deserve, right? And, and grace is getting, well, what, what we don't deserve. Uh, but mercy is, is really having held back that which we do deserve, right? So what do we deserve? Well, I think we deserve justice. I think we deserve judgment. We deserve everything in that little category right there, right? Why? Because we're all born in sin. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 12, um, Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, right, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. And in Psalm 51, uh, verse 5, it says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and, my, and, and in sin my mother conceived me. So the moment we were born, we were born into sin. And, and uh, did you guys know that I never had to teach my kids how to, how to you know, sin? They're just natural at that. A little, you know, the moment that, oh, hey, we want to, no! What? <laughs> Where did you get that from? They just came naturally to them because they're naturally born little sinners, right? So they, they found it all out by themselves. They didn't have to teach them anything. But the problem is with sin, and, the, and this, this is the thing with sin, it requires uh, justice and judgment. That's what it requires. Uh, but God gives us mercy. He holds back that which we deserve. We deserve to be squashed, right? <laughs> if I was God, I wouldn't be alive right now. I would, I don't know. 
Um, it's, uh, so he holds back that which we deserve. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. I don't know about you guys, but that last part just struck me. I, I love, I, I think we need that, right? To realize that we serve the God of all comfort, and, and truly he is. Why, why is God so merciful? You know, why is God so merciful? Now, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. So God is merciful toward us because he loves us. Wow. That's amazing. So, see, when we deal with people at work or with family or with whoever we're dealing with, we want to show justice toward them, don't we? We're like, oh, why? Because, well, they deserve it, right? Amen? Guys, right? Amen? They deserve it. They did this, and so they deserve this. Ah, oh, right? Or, um, you're going to jail. Ah. And, and, and that's justice, right? And why do we show them justice so fast and judgment so fast? Well, uh, it, well, because we don't really love them, right? If we love them, we're going to show mercy and we're going to be compassionate towards them a lot easier than if, you know, it's just somebody else to you. But if you love them, it kind of changes things up, doesn't it? Uh, I, I mean, if we truly love them like Christ loves us, then we're going to exhibit a different behavior to them. My daughter, she she gets a lot of mercy from me, right? She'll do something, and I'm like, oh, I gotta go punish her, right? And I'll talk to her, and she's like, I'm sorry, daddy. Uh, I love you. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm gonna show grace. And she's like, thank you. And my son, he's different, right? <laughs> I don't know about him, but but uh anyways, I love them both. They're great. But um I, I have to, I exhibit mercy to them though because well I love them and it's easy for me to be like I don't want to punish you you know like that's not something I want to do and and uh, and punishments like go sit on the stairs you know or something they're ah! <laughs> they fall apart but we need to be careful to be you know. Uh, not to be so quick to, to, to show justice on people and just what, right? Instead, we, may, may we love them. And, and that's the thing that God came and, and when Jesus told us, you know, love your enemies, you know, give them water and, and, uh, and these things. And the disciples are like, what? <laughs> right? Uh, that's a little, that's, that's tough, right? Uh, and I would say it's not tough. It's not difficult, but it's impossible, right? Because in and of ourselves and our flesh and our own might and our own strength, we don't want to show them all that love and we don't want to serve our enemy. What do we want to do for our enemy? Kill them. <laughs> right? Oh, you evil people. Um, but, but, but we need to show mercy, right? We need to show love. Uh, let's come to the third thing. It involves hope. Notice in verse three in the middle, it says, so his mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So you and I are born again. We have an inheritance laid up for you, you and I. Uh, and we have not just, we don't just have any hope, by the way. We have a living hope. Amen? 
Amen. So that, that's the contrast to the world, by the way, right? Because the world has a dead hope, in, in a sense. Uh, but do they have hope? Yes, they have hope. But they have hope that is perishing, because their hope is in things that are fading away, and, and it's dead. And, and we know that everything in the world, it, eventually, it's going to be burnt up, right? It's, it, it's, it's not going to last forever. Uh, in fact, in 2 Peter 3.10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So those who put their hope in the world and in the things of this world are hopeless, right? Uh, But you and I have a living hope. And no wonder as believers we have a joy that's inexpressible because our hope is in Christ Jesus. Amen? We're looking forward to Christ Jesus. And no matter what the things are coming around us in these trials and these circumstances and these events that are happening all around us and the fear of this and the fear of that and the world's falling apart, the economy's falling apart, war's going to happen, ah, right? Even though all that is around us, we still have hope and our eyes are on Christ and we have a joy uh, because it's in Christ and we're looking to Christ because of Christ, right, in our life. And it's pretty amazing. So uh, let's come to the fourth thing here. It involves the resurrection. Notice at the end of verse 3, it says, To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, please, because this whole issue of the resurrection is incredibly important. In fact, it's so important that without the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the, the dead, there, there is no salvation. There's no salvation at all. There's no living hope. There, in fact, there's no Christianity. And, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of Christianity. So Paul tells us in Romans chapter 4, uh, verse 25, in the end, it's a, well, the whole thing, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. And I love that. The reason Jesus Christ was raised from the dead is so that you and I could be justified, right? Just as if I have never sinned. And that we can be sanctified, that we can be born again. And so if you're there with me in 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 12. Verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and it, we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, in, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You see, if you don't believe in Christ Jesus, then, well, guess what? You can't be saved. And that's kind of a heartbreaker to hear in these days today. Because I talk to people who are like, yes, I'm saved. Well, if you don't know, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not. <laughs> I'm a good person. I love church. I'm a Christian. No, what's, who said you're a Christian? Right? 
No, no, no. You're what you got to realize what a Christian is. A Christian is fully reliant upon Jesus Christ, surrendered onto Jesus Christ, right? In, in believing in who Jesus Christ is, that He is God Almighty, come in the flesh, that He rose again from the well. He died. He wrote, right. He was buried. He rose again the third day. And, and that if you just believe in him and what he's done, his blood shed on the cross, which was obviously uh, covered your sins if you choose to believe in him. And thus we have eternal life in him. And, and the world doesn't understand that and they reject that. They're like, no, uh, that's no, that can't be. And it's like a war all of a sudden. It's like, hey, take it up with the Lord. I'll see you later. <laughs> I'm like, Goodness, you know, it's so simple to me, but to them, it's like you want to, uh, right? Um, anyways, mercy, right? Got to remind myself. Um, Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And, and, uh, let's come to the fifth thing here. It involves eternity, eternity. Notice in verse four, uh, this is seen, by the way, in four ways, according to verse 4. Uh, look at verse, let's just, oh, i got to go back to First Peter. Okay, First Peter chapter 1, to an inheritance incorruptible. So there's our first one right there. Number one, it's incorruptible, to an inheritance incorruptible. And, and that word, uh, well, inheritance is speaking of our salvation, that being born again. And incorruptible, uh, it's not subject to decay. It's imperishable, we would say. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, it's talking about, uh, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, we, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Our crown will not fade away. And, and it, and it is, notice in verse four, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. That's number two. Uh, undefiled means it's unsoiled. In other words, it's, it's a, it's free from all stains, right? It's, uh, without blemish, I guess you can say. And, and notice number three, if you look at verse four, it says, and that does not fade away. Right, this word that does not fade away, this phrase carries the idea of a fire being extinguished. Right? In other words, our inheritance, our salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, can never be extinguished. This fire can never be put out. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. I don't know about you guys. I kind of want to just start jumping and dancing just for that, right? It's like, what? Nobody could just walk up and steal it, right? A thief can't walk up and be like, hey, I took your salvation. I lost it. Where'd it go? <laughs> oh, man, it gets better, guys. Turn with me to First uh, Peter chapter 5. Look at chapter 5. Look at verse 4. Chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Wow, our salvation is eternally secure in Christ Jesus. And, and notice, uh, again, the next thing, go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, it's reserved in heaven. In verse 4, at the end right here, reserved, it's guarded, it's kept. That's what that means, right? It's guarded, it's kept. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. 
I love that. People's hope today is in like, what, Bitcoin and, right? All of a sudden, like, ah, my money, it's gone. (laughs) Well, you put your hope in the wrong place. Uh, But guess what? Your salvation's locked up and reserved and, and stored up for you. It's not in the things of earth where moth and rust can destroy, right, and eat away. And it's, it's reserved where? In, in heaven. I love that. Um, so, uh, uh, man, praise the Lord for that. Let's come to the sixth truth about salvation. It involves power. Notice in verse 5, it says, Who are kept by the power of God, through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's power, right? The, the sixth thing here. Our faith as believers, it's not in ourselves, but in God and in his power to keep us. You see, the word keep, it, it's a military term, right? It carries the idea of uh, protecting or guarding. And it's used as an army that prevents a, a hostile invasion, basically, right, uh, of another army. So God keeps us. He protects us. He is vigilantly uh, watching over us by his power. And, and, and uh, by the way, this word last time, obviously speaking of the last days, right? These are, these are the days that we live in right now. If you guys read in Acts, the, uh, from the day of Pentecost and on, we're living in the, the age of grace, but the, the, it's, it's called the, well, we're in the end days, right? We're in the last days. So how do we know that, uh, our salvation is indeed eternal? That is, it's incorruptible, that it's undefiled, that it won't fade away, that it's reserved in heaven for you and I. Well, it's based on, and here we go, take note of this, it's based on the power of God. Ain't that cool? I'm excited about that, to know that it's not about my great power or my great strength, right? If you, if you guys go to my house and you guys see my little weight bench that I got, I got like, what is it, five pounds and five pounds. <laughs> I'm not as strong as you might think. But I'm just glad that uh, I'm, it's based on his power, right? Because he's pretty powerful. And, and uh, it's not on my ability or anything that guarantees my own salvation. He holds and reserves and keeps by his own power my salvation and your salvation. And question, is God powerful? Yeah. Is he powerful enough to speak a word and bring the world into existence the entire universe into existence. Yeah. So if we believe that, then we can trust that he keeps us, right? That he can keep our salvation as it, as it, well, he can keep us as it pertains to our salvation. But understand salvation is not based on our performance, but it's based on the power of God. And, and, and no wonder Paul said in Romans 8.38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, which is in you, yourself, and I. No, uh-uh, right? It's not the I, I, I's of Satan here. It's based and reserved, right? Nothing can separate us because it's in Christ Jesus. It's in the Lord, and he's reserved it for you and I in heaven. Jesus said in John 10, 28, And I give them eternal life, and they that they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Do you guys believe in God? Do you guys believe his word? He's, he's just said it right here. Hey, 
neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. That's cool, right? There's so much people in these, this world that steal things. They can't come and steal your, your salvation. I just, I love that, right? There's people that are like, I'm doing witchcraft on you. I'm going to take your salvation, right? <laughs> Try as much as you can. <laughs> Go ahead. But I know the word of God, right? I'm not going to be deceived. But question, do we have faith in the power of God to sustain us? You know, do we have faith in the power of God to hold us uh, together? Well, I hope so. I hope we do. But understand that we are, and I can't, I can't talk about salvation and that we're securing Christ and where, you know, our salvation is without letting you know that um, you have a choice in the matter, right? We're free moral agents and, and we are, uh, we're, we're given the gift of choice, right? God will not, he will not force his love upon you. That's rape, right? That's, that's not God. He's a gentleman. And, and God has allowed us to have a relationship with him if you want a relationship with him. If you don't, you don't, you don't need to, right? He's so go ahead. It's your choice. You're a free moral agent. In John chapter 15, in fact, the first seven verses, you can start there. It's, it's all about a relationship with Christ, right? And the cool thing is, he's doing everything on his part, literally everything on his part to hold your, our relationship together with him right? He's holding your salvation. It's reserved in heaven. It's undefiled. It's pure. It's, it's, it's uh, perfect, right? And he not only has called you before the creation of, of mankind, right, to be in this relationship with him, but so he's predestined you um, for this, but it's still your choice, right? You choose to be chosen in that sense. And we went over that before. But uh, in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, that speaks of the importance of abiding in Christ Jesus, right? As we abide in Christ, as we remain in on the vine, right? And that's the thing about fruit. Fruit's not just trying to produce itself, right? I'm just gonna, oh, I gotta, I gotta. You don't have to do anything. You know what's cool about this relationship with Jesus Christ Guess what you have to do? You just get to chill out with God. How cool is that? What has he called you to do? Uh, just abide in him? That's it. Guess what? As you're abiding in him, he now enables you with a gift. And it's called grace. And through his grace, because of your faith in him, he now enables you and, 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 and perfects what's in you, everything that he wants to do through you, right? And now... There's all kinds of stuff happening through your life. And it's not because of you. It's just because you're chilling out with the Lord, right? You're getting getting in his word. You're talking to the Lord about his word. God, I really don't understand this. What is this talking about? And as you're reading it, oh, that's okay. All right, you know? It's just a relationship with him. He's revealing his word to you. And that's it. It's just, uh, I just, it's a, uh, who doesn't want to be a Christian, right? Uh, I used to be a salesman. And this already is just like sales... <sighs> Uh, I don't know how people can't come to the Lord. But anyways, let's come to the second section, dealing with rejoicing in salvation. In verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, um, look at verse 6. It says, In this you greatly rejoice. Right? This little phrase, in this, refers us back to the previous uh, section. And dealing with our inheritance, that is 
eternal. And, and th- that is secured by the power of God. So friends, if you rejoice in anything, uh, rejoice in the fact that you have salvation in Christ Jesus, right? That you are inheritors of this salvation. And guess what? This salvation is kept by the power of God. It doesn't have to be kept by you in the bank, right? It's, it's kept by him. In fact, look at verse 8. It says, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Wow, this is this joy that is ex- inexpressible is based on our salvation. We have this joy because we realize we have an inheritance which is incorruptible, undefiled, it will not fade away, which is reserved in heaven for you and I, and that is kept by the power of God because of Christ, and it's in Christ, and it's all about Jesus. Isn't that cool? You can just keep going forever and ever on this thing, but it's by the power of God. In fact, in verse 6, 7, 8, and 9, uh, Peter brings up four issues as it pertains uh, to this rejoicing uh, that we have in Christ Jesus that is inexpressible. Have you guys ever tried to explain your salvation to Christ, uh, you know, like your family or somebody to, about Christ? It's like, they're like, well, why are you a Christian? Because it's like, it's, ah, it's, ha. Ah. You know, like, I don't know how to say it. It's, it's like, inexpressible. <laughs> I think Paul would say, yeah, I think it's like a sin to even try. It's just, you can't. There's nothing that can relate to, you know? You can't justify, you know, and it's, it's really hard to explain it to the world, and they don't understand it. But number one, it involves trials. Notice in verse six, uh, it says, <clears throat> in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. So in this, the fact that your salvation is kept by God, right? We'll stick with the context here. If need be, that little word if, by the way, is in the first class condition. So we would say, since you have been, uh, so since indeed you are in fact, you are experiencing these uh, various trials in your lives, uh, that are grievous. The, the point is powerful right here. We rejoice in the inheritance of our salvation. And it's guarded and it's kept by the power of God. Even though we are in fact experiencing uh, various trials and, and, and things in our lives that we're going through. And, and you see, when you're experiencing these kinds of trials, we all have a choice to make in these trials, right? We can uh, choose to allow these trials to rob us of our joy uh, that we have, or we can allow these grievous trials to increase our jo- our joy in the Lord, right? That That's the choice that we have as believers. And so, in fact, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, uh, go to chapter 4, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We all go through trials, uh, and there's no question about that. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 15. It says, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Isn't that cool? You guys catch that? Everything that is happening to us as it pertains uh, to these grievous trials is for our sakes. It's for our benefit. How can we thank God for all things that are happening to us? Well, it's by his grace. 
it's not by you, obviously, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Amen. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. I like that, right? You're, you're experiencing light affliction. Uh, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So did you guys know that everything that you guys are going through in this world and these trials, are, it's light? <laughs> Here, no, it's not. Compared to all that we have, though, reserved for us, in heaven, which is a far more weightier, right, than, than it's our eternal destiny. It's way weightier than the things that we're going through right now. I've heard it said, you know, everything that you're going through right now, that's the most, the closest you'll ever be to hell, right? If you think about it, you're like, yeah, okay, it's not that bad after all, I guess, right? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So as we look forward to the, the future glory which lies ahead, um, we rejoice even in our trials. We don't rejoice, by the way, because of our trials. We rejoice in our trials, right? Um, because we're looking forward what, to what lies ahead. So we're not crazy people, right? You're like, oh, joy, a trial, right? It's like that commercial of they're hitting their heads and like, we're not weird people, right? We're, we, we rejoice, we rejoice in Christ Jesus. Uh, let's come to the second thing here. Go back to first Peter. Look at verse seven. It involves test, test. Notice it says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, is our faith tested? Yeah, it sure is. If your faith has not been tested, by the way, cheer up, it will. <laughs> Don't worry, it's coming, right? Your faith will definitely be tested. In fact, it'll be tested through the fire. And, and if fire hurts, right? It burns. I've been around it. Uh, but question, will, well, why will our faith be tested? Why will it be tested? Well, so that it, you will be refined. You're, it's, it's gonna, you're gonna be refined. So it, you, to purify it like the refiner's fire, like Isaiah talks about, right? So God uses these tests to mature us, to perfect us, to grow us. In fact, in James chapter 1, you can go from verse uh, 2 all the way to 20. Um, and I'll, I'll, look, I'll give you guys two verses right here. Uh, but it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Nothing, right? It, it makes it makes us complete. It gives us patience, right? It uh, It'll make you a perfect and complete uh, a mature man. Therefore, do not despise the testing that comes your way. Rather, rejoice in them, embrace them, right, is, is the idea here, because God will use them to bring you to a place, uh, spiritually, of spiritual maturity, basically. So, uh, let's come to the next thing. The third thing here, it involves trust. Trust. Notice in verse 8. It says, Whom having not seen, you love, 
Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. So trust, we, we've not personally met Jesus, I guess you can say on a physical uh, note, right? We've never seen Jesus, and yet we trust in Jesus. And, and Paul's writing to those who have not known Jesus physically. They have not seen Jesus, and yet they trust in Jesus. Now these people that Peter is writing to, they're going through the fire, right? Literally, they're going through uh, Nero, is, Caesar Nero is is, uh, is ruling and reigning, and he's blaming the Christians, and he's bringing persecution. He's literally burning them at the stake physically, and, and they, they got a choice to make. Hey, you got an opportunity. Do you believe on Jesus that he is the Christ, the Messiah, everything that the Bible says, or do or do you would you deny your faith and live and it's a no-brainer obviously to a believer right it's like chop off my head right let's let's go let's bring this on you know like this is if anything that's a that's a it's a blessing you know you get to enter into the kingdom of god in that very second it's like bring it on but um I'm not crazy, guys. Just calm down, okay? You're like, whoa, this guy wants to go to heaven so bad. Um, I do, but um, let's look at First John chapter 5. Uh, or I'm sorry, First John chapter 1. I'm so used to going to chapter 5. But uh, it says in verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, verse 2, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now this is the disciples speaking, right? This is the Apostle John. They seen and they heard and they touched Jesus Christ physically, that which we have seen and heard and we declare to you that you also may... Uh, have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Well, it goes on. I could just keep reading. I love First John. But, um, man, we have not seen Jesus Christ, and yet we believe in him. And because of that, you're more blessed than the actual disciples who've seen him. In fact, Jesus said in John 20, 29, uh, Jesus says at the end, blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they believe. And I love that. They believed in him. You and I are blessed uh, because, well, we don't see him. He's the invisible God. And yet, we, we obviously see the works of God, right? We see, uh, it's obvious to us. You can't look up and not see, you know, the creation and, and understand the creator, you know, that there is a creator. Let's come to the fourth thing here. Uh, it involves a treasure. A treasure. Notice in verse 4, verse 9, uh, it says, Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And, and what a great treasure we have, the salvation of our souls, and which is the fruit of our faith, right? It's, it's in God's power who keeps our salvation, right? And, and what is the treasure? It's receiving the end of your faith. It speaks of eternal life, right? And, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 
You guys like this? I got, I got a new Bible. Somebody gave me a Bible. I don't know who it is. I went to my office and it was just sitting there next to my old one. If you guys saw me with my Bible, it's all duct taped and, you know, if, if I like move it, all the pages like fly out and, and, uh, so I'm loving just turning my pages right now. It's amazing. First Corinthians chapter nine. Um, it is, See, this treasure you and I have is in earthen vessels, right? Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, we know that it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And, and Paul, he uses this analogy of running this race, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 24. It says in verse 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race uh, all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Wow. Um I could go on. There's so much here, but I, I, I try to just let Scripture speak for itself here. Uh, let's come to the third and final section, dealing with the messengers of salvation. Um, notice in verse 10, 11, and 12, 13, it really, it's going to involve three things right here. Uh, number one, it involves the prophets. The prophets in verses 10 and the beginning of 11, uh, they, they were involved in being messengers of salvation right here let's read in verse 10 uh go back to first peter first peter chapter 1 look at verse 10 it says of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you searching what or what manner of time and and i'll stop there but now the prophets were continuously prophesying about the messiah about all kinds of stuff right i'll give you just a little glimpse of a few things but they they prophesied about his virgin birth uh isaiah 7 14 they prophesied about the place of his his birth uh micah 5 uh, or 2 uh that uh that it would be in Bethlehem, right? They prophesied about the time of his birth in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. They prophesied about his suffering, uh, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22. They prophesied about his crucifixion, uh, Zechariah 12, uh, verse 10, Psalm 22. And the list goes on, right? It just, you could just keep going and going and going. So clearly they had a knowledge regarding this grace that was to come as it pertains to the Messiah. But notice in verse 10, they inquired and they searched carefully and, and who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. They were prophesying about something they didn't understand. They, they couldn't quite grasp it, so they studied diligently. That's awesome. They didn't understand the whole picture. They didn't have the big plan. They didn't understand verse 11 where it says what or in what manner of time. And, and they scratched their heads and they're like, ah, they couldn't put it all together. They couldn't, uh, fully comprehend, 
uh, what God was going to do, but they knew God was doing something, and it, it, it involved his grace being shown, right? But they were like, what is this? You know, we understand the mystery uh, in the Old Testament of the Gentiles coming to faith, but they understood that because it's very clear in the Old Testament. And so some people are like, oh, could that be it? One thing they, they couldn't put together was the grace of God. It was the grace of God they're scratching their head about. Why? Because they were living under the law. They were living under legalism, if you will. They're living under the Ten Commandments. 613 commandments in the Old Testament, right? You got, what, 365 do's and 248 don'ts or something like that. And and uh, uh, you, the law is just going to bring you in, in subjection and, and, uh, and, and really just kind of hold you down but really the purpose of the law is to show you that your need for a savior right that you need the messiah and and so even though they had prophetic knowledge they didn't quite grasp this uh fully right even though they were diligently seeking it and i think the point that peter's making for you and me is in in uh, dealing with these messengers of of uh salvation specifically the prophets is that they didn't fully quite get it. They didn't quite understand it. But trip out. You and I understand it. Isn't that cool? What Isaiah and Ezekiel and, and Zechariah and Zephaniah and Haggai, right? All these guys, what they were scratching their heads about, you and I understand. We know more than they did. Isn't that cool? What? Right? If I had a mic that I could drop. Whoa! crazy so isn't that amazing to think about right you and that's just awesome so these these are the prophets of god almighty who are diligently seeking uh out about the grace of god that would come and it was beyond their comprehension but you and i already fully comprehend we can we understand what god is already doing it's a simple concept to us but to them it was so right that's why i think when we get to heaven and we look back we're like, be like oh man right? This is so great here, but man, if I only knew what I know now, like, I'd go back, and I would give the gospel like crazy, right? Like, there was no tomorrow. I wouldn't even sleep until I just dropped dead, right? All right? I'll just be like, you need Jesus, right? I don't know. It's just like, ah. There's a movie called, um, an old movie called uh, Time Changer, uh, and I don't know if you guys, have you guys seen that movie? It's an old school one, but, uh, Oh, I don't even remember it now, but it's this, this guy from way back in the day. I don't know if he was a prophet or just back in a hundred years ago, but he comes to like kind of our generation today and he's like, ah, right? And I, I kind of get that idea now, like, man, what would I do? What, what if God was going to take my life right now and I knew it and yet God spared my life for another 15 years or so and, and, uh, what would I do differently? What would I want my legacy to be to those, the believers around me and to the world around me? What do I want to leave behind? What's going to be said of me? What is it? Is it Jesus? Uh, is, oh, Josh. Oh, yeah. You know, the Bible says, right? Wow. How cool would that be? Right? Where it's all about Jesus instead of like, oh, here's Josh's accomplishments. Uh, well, actually, let's talk about Jesus. Right? <laughs> Let's, you know, that's all I want is I just want Jesus. And, and when I die, right, like the song, just give me Jesus. That's all I want. And I, I love it when I come to a hospital and there's a believer there. Just their, their life is being gone from them. And they got minutes, you know, hours maybe at that. 
and and they just want to talk about Jesus, right? They don't they don't want to talk about financial issues and economy things and the way the world's going. They just they just talk, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about what did he say? And they know what he said, but they just want to talk about Jesus. And I'm like, how cool is that, right? I just, anyways. That's off. Anyways, let's get back to our study here. So we understand God's grace for eternal life, for salvation. It's an inheritance, right? And and I think we can't talk about his salvation enough. I, I get excited. But we understand um, God's grace for eternal life, for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? By grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God uh, not of works, lest anyone should boast, right? So, but we understand God's grace uh, in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we realize there's nothing that we can do in our own salvation, right? But to abide in him. That's just, that's what we're called to do. So secondly, and uh, we better hurry because we only got, what, 45 more minutes to go, so... We better get through this. Uh, look at verse 11. Uh, number two, it involves the Holy Spirit. Um, it says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Now, the Spirit of Christ, speaking of the Holy Spirit, who was in them, speaking of the prophets, obviously, right, going back to the context here, was indicating when he, the Holy Spirit, uh, testified beforehand through the prophets the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow. So not only does Peter deal with the prophets, but now he's dealing with the Holy Spirit. And and who, by the way, was working in and through the Old Testament prophets and revealing two things. Notice the two things that the Holy Spirit was revealing in and through them. The sufferings of Christ and the glories of Christ. Really interesting. And truly they did. No question about that. The sufferings of Christ are very, very clear. Um, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, Zechariah chapter 12. Um, and then the glories of Christ are very, very clear in the prophets. Isaiah 9, Daniel 7, Zechariah 2, um, Psalm 16. I got it written down right here. So if you guys think that I got it all up there, I don't. But I like you to think I do. But so dealing with his resurrection, his ascension, his exaltation. So I think the point Peter is making for you and me is that salvation is a work of the spirit, right? He was involved from the very beginning to the end as it pertains to the salvation that you and I have. And he was involved. It, it, what is it? I just think about it, right? Just just. It's kept by the power of God. It's just so cool. Next time you're witnessing to somebody, remember that salvation is through the Holy Spirit, right? It's, it's by the Holy Spirit and, and only by the Holy Spirit. So as you're presenting the Word of God, you're presenting the Scriptures to people, uh, understand John 16, verse 8 says, when, when He has come, He will convict the world of three things, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So, we need to love them. We need to pray for them because it's the Holy Spirit that will be convicting them. You don't need to be like, well, you're a sinner. Ah, although you do need to point out, right? If they're like, oh, I'm good, right? You're like, ah, oh, right? 
let's go to the Ten Commandments, maybe, right? Let's, you know, you're a sinner, okay. So we need to love them, we need to pray for them, we need to be a light onto them, and, and, and point them to Jesus Christ. That's the ministry of John the Baptist, right? What did he do? What was so powerful about his ministry? He just pointed to Jesus. Hey, John, what do we do? Go to Jesus. <laughs> that's what we do. Oh, go to Jesus. Oh, let's pray about it. Oh, well, the Bible says that's, that's, that's us, right? So let's come to the third thing. Uh, it involves the apostles. The apostles. Notice in verse 12. It says, to them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which we, which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to, to look into. So, uh, notice Peter changes it from the Old Testament prophets and He's bringing it to those who are now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And notice the time frame, by the way. It says, who, uh, or it says, when the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So question, when did the Holy Spirit, when was he sent from heaven? You guys remember at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? Right? So when, when, when the Holy Spirit was sent from heaven in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles. And by the way, pop quiz for you little Bible scholars out there, right? It wasn't just the 12 apostles, right? So when you guys see the artwork, don't be deceived. Um, according to Acts chapter 1, it says that there was 120. What? in the upper room on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. So wait a minute, there was a, not just 12 guys in there? Yeah, that, that becomes significant because apostle, by the way, it means simply means a messenger, right? One who was is sent out, right, with the message. So I think the point is huge. Just like the 120 apostles giving the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that is given to those who are inheritors of this salvation, that is incorruptible, undefiled, uh, that is uh, reserved in heaven, that doesn't fade away, and is kept by the power of God. And res- it's for you guys, right? Reserved in heaven for us. And, and it's by faith in him. So the same power is available to you and I, not just a, oh, I'm an apostle, right? You are a messenger sent by God as well. Remember Matthew chapter 28? We're sent out with a command by God to, to deliver this message. So we're to be like the apostles in delivering that message of the gospel to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all, right? That God and, uh, God will give you the words to say, right? Remember, it's about the Holy Spirit. He's working in and through you, but he's also working in and through them. And so it's not about you and your great knowledge or your great skills or your great hearts, right? It's it's about Jesus, and it's about the Holy Spirit working in and through them, and he'll give you the words to speak, right? Um, and, and just continue. For me, my, my rule is just keep giving him the word of God because you can't go wrong. <laughs> well, the Bible says, and he, whew, that was great, right? But he'll enable you. He'll empower you uh, by his spirit to speak forth those things that need to be spoken of. So Peter closes out with this statement in verse 12. He says, things which angels desire to look look into very interesting why he would even say that now what are these things which angels desire to look into well in the context it's talking about the inheritance that we have right the 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 salvation that we received so angels desire 
to look into this salvation that you and I have that is in Christ Jesus. And it's funny, just as we're curious about them and we're scratching our heads, right? Like, wow, these angels, they're scratching their heads and they're looking at us like, oh, these people, right? And they don't understand us, we don't understand them. And um, so it's just interesting to me, right? We don't have time to go over this whole topic of angels, right? And to just dig deep into all of it. But it's very, very interesting, these angels, right? There's different types of angels. There's my wife. Ah, nice, right? Just, Okay. It's not in my notes. But there's the seraphim, there's the cherubim, right? There's the, the messenger angels, there's the guardian angels, there's angels that just worship the Lord, uh, there's the uh, high-ranking angels, there's the, well, in the c- contrast, is the low-ranking angels, there's the different, they're all different, right, for sure. There's uh, There's some with four wings, there's some with six wings, there's some with, you know, eyes all around from head to toe, and there's... Uh, you know, they're the ones with like fiery wagon wheels on their sides, and there's, you know, weird, they're like, and they got a head here, and you're like, whoa! And, you know, there's just, there's so much stuff there. So obviously, we're curious about them. The more we look into who these guys are, we're like, oh, right? And, and, but they're also looking down at us, and they're saying, what does God see in them? Right? <laughs> Right? They're curious about this love that God has for us. And remember, angels were not a part of salvation. They're not a part of the gospel. So they were created beings. You guys remember in Isaiah 14 when Lucifer was booted out of heaven? He went, ah! Right? Uh, One third of the angels had a choice. And they chose to follow him. That means two-thirds, according to Revelation, uh, is, is, that, that are with God. So more are with the Lord, right? Which is pretty cool. How much angels are out there? I don't know. How much demons are out there? I don't know. But one-third followed him. And so they, they don't understand this whole idea of uh, us being born again and needing a Savior and just that, uh, that God would choose to die. That God, their creator, their God, whom they worship and served and, and, and live for, he would actually die for a people like us. And, and, and God would say, you know, to the whole world, go and do this, and thus it was, it was done. And then he tells human beings, go and do this, and we say, no, right? And the angels are like, why aren't you killing them, right? What's going on here? And they, they don't understand, right? But I think Peter mentions this to show us how blessed that we really are in our salvation. And when it, it comes by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, right? And it's only by Jesus Christ alone. So, um, amen, 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 amen. Stand up, guys. Praise the Lord. Yeah, if anything, rejoice in the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. It's, it's amazing. Um, Lord, thank you so much for your word. And uh, we do pray for Pastor Dwight, Lord, and Judy, that you bless them on their, their trip to Arizona um, as they're there in the hot sun and they're soaking up uh, uh, all of that wonderful stuff out there. And uh, But thank you for them, and I pray that you'd speak to them and their hearts and continue to encourage them and refresh them uh, as they come forward uh, back to Wisconsin, Lord, and encourage us. Um, but thank you again for your word, and, and once again, Lord, we ask that you would uh, that you just be with us, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would continue to teach us, and um, God, train us for and equip us for the day that we're in today, Lord, knowing that your coming is soon. Uh, Lord, help us to look up. Help, help us to be alert and watchful 
uh, to be a watchman, watching the things that are happening right now, and to be at that full uh, anticipation, Lord, uh, of, of just coming home with you. And so I pray that you would remove us from uh, the distractions of this world, uh, destroy us, if, if you will, Lord, ruin us, uh, in our own will, in our own things that we want to do, in our own pride. And I pray that you would uh, just continue to break us, Lord, and restore us and put us back together and uh, encourage our hearts in you, Father, that we can only look up and, and worship you and praise you for who you are. Uh, Less glory go to our own self, Lord. And I pray that you would watch over us in that area. Thank you for keeping us and uh, reserving us uh, for you, Lord. I pray that you would... Uh, you would receive all the glory, Father. Here in the church, uh, may we as the body of Christ uh, continue to serve one another and show that grace and that mercy toward one another. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.